welcome back to another very monumental episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast. The show where we look at movies we love. Break them apart. To find out what gives them their magic. Magic, magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and he with splatted eyes. Alex Dandino. Uh, yeah, that's me. Wow. Strong facial acting opening for the tube. That's All right, called guys. chewing the scenery, friends. We'll get to that. I mean, yes, thank you, great acting lord. <laughs> All right, before <laughs> we dive in and close down this Fear Street trilogy, guys, a little bit of business. If you could take a second right now, please leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show. It helps us fight back against those goddamn algorithmic sunny veilers that just oppress us all the time dicks quick five star couple sentences uh let people know why you enjoy spending time with us (laughs) because we know you do let's assume uh it does mean the world to us guys we appreciate the kind words when we get them thank you make sure you join us on patreon we're officially on patreon patreon.com slash film alchemist pod uh for as little as a dollar a month you can get in and join our community over there. See if you like uh, the feels of the water on your toes, your digital toesies, right? Like LeBron James, you can just jump in and fuck shit up and not learn any lessons and make everything about yourself. That's our digital world. You wow. All right. The, the alchemist verse. Uh, neither here nor there. <laughs> but yeah, and if guys, so a dollar a month gets you in the door. You can see if you like it. The Every tier you climb after that, you get to hand select the films that you want us to talk about as part of our Patreon exclusive library, guys. Uh, so that's a great way to get the show that you want. It's the best way to help our show. For those of you who do it, thank you. For those of you who are about to, thank you as well. Make sure you go to YouTube, subscribe to our channel, Film Alchemist, where you can find video versions of most of our podcasts there, along with some other cool shit we'll be rolling out as the year continues. Uh, you can email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. You can find us on all the social media you're on. We're there, too. We're very easy to get a hold of, and we love to hear from you guys. So reach out, touch faith, touch us digitally, you know, like LeBron as he just beats his kid around the court and refuses to learn. Again? I'm sorry. I just saw Space Jam today. I'm I'm hot. I'm hot under the collar. But my boy said, my boy, my own boy, uh, said that it was the greatest movie of all time. So, you know. We're a, we're a little Siskel. He's a little Ebert. You know what I mean? We're just... <laughs> All right. Enough of that digital fuck. Let's talk about some good old-fashioned 1966 uh, 1666. Fierce... That's right. Minus 300. I caught you in my clever <laughs> mind trap. All right, guys. Today, we are wrapping out our trilogy. Uh, Fear Street, 1666. As you guys know... We have been joined on each of these previous by our dear friend, Josh Lobo, due to a busy work schedule and being a victim of the uh, skeletal face mall killer because he was definitely in that. got murdered. Yeah, he was he was being a little a little uh, lippy in the uh, glow light dildo shop and Ryan put him on the list. So Ryan Torres and took him down. Yeah, we will miss you on tonight's conversation, uh, Lobo. We love you very much, but we forge ahead, right? We forge ahead. So Alice. We've done two Fear Street movies. We have. I will say up front, right, to get this thing started. I thought Fear Street 66 was vastly superior to the two previous entrants, right? Not necessarily fair because it gets to glean so much from the first two. It gets to wrap everything up. It was going to be a very satisfying movie if it delivered, and I would argue it actually did. If I had a little beef with the film, it said I feel like that last vestigial ending, right? The well, we gotta head back to do the part ninety four part two, right? Pretty by the books kind of stuff, and it felt very Return of the Kings ish. It's like I got it. I understand what's gonna happen here, right? Sure. I think the opening bit though, the time that we spend in sixteen sixty six is not only the best part of this trilogy, but it is really really good horror storytelling um some of the best i've seen in a while alex how did you feel about fear street 1666 yeah i actually think it was my favorite as well um and i loved 78 i thought that was awesome but uh 1666 again like i like it when they i i like that there is no there's obviously some stuff that is 
callbacks, so to speak. Not of the Fear Street series we've seen so far, but callback callbacks to other movies like of its ilk. Um, obviously, there's a lot of stuff being kind of borrowed from like Eggers with the witch, but like I thought there was a considerable amount borrowed from like the Crucible, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I I loved it. I liked that I didn't know what was. I really didn't. I had a vague idea of how it was going to end. I had no idea um, how all of it was supposed to play out. And I really enjoyed it. Like it was perfectly gory, perfectly over the line in a lot of ways. Like I like, again, like I actually, I put this on my Instagram story. I was like, damn 66 going hard. There is yeah. some fucked up shit in this one. That is like that. The other two just do not accomplish. And, 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 and yeah. it's not, it has nothing to do with the fact that they can't like the bread slicers an all timer. But right. the, the this one just has like some kills and some other like off kilter shit that is just like truly filthy and nasty shit to put into a movie like this. To put in just a series like this in general, this is mm-hmm. again it's based on a YA series, and you're like, I cannot imagine R.L. Stein getting away with you know a pig eating its baby. It's like not a chance. <laughs> I bet you'd be surprised. Actually, I believe that's the first book of Bloods that Clive. Barker did. Yeah, was a story Barker. like that. Yeah, not R.L. Stein. Yeah, <laughs> no, they're not necessarily of the same. Yeah, I did not say Clive Barker. I said R.L. Stein. What I think this, what I was stunned by this movie, right, is one. I thought we were going to do a lot more wink and nod to the fact that the townsfolk were our kids from the future, right? Right. We absolutely brush past that. No, you fucking not, pull the needle thing. drops out, and all of a sudden we're in. We're not doing the colors. We're not. We're not doing anything that matches it to the previous films, right? Right. This felt like a true blue origin movie. Like we had actually traveled back in time. And I know we had talked with Lobo. We wondered how this would play out, right? The the kids from the future being back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, The biggest flaw with the film is whatever the fuck accent acting is happening, it's there i mean it's it's essentially like if you took a diet coke and then filled it 80 percent with water and you're like see same you're like oh you're saying you weren't a fan huh (laughs) oh oh my crikey hi oh you weren't like are they just doing like conor mcgregor pressers what's happening here oh you weren't a fan of weren't a fan of the irish i i mean to be fair it was so abrasive actually that two seconds i just did was better than all the other kids in the movie and Um, and again I don't blame them, but I'm just like, no, if we're casting team because to Josh's point, none of these people uh, short of mad shite covered Thomas look like they belong in this era. Right. None of them. Right. None of these people look like pioneer townsfolk. I the parents, the parents did that. a great job. Dina, the parents all looked of the ilk. Dina is the only one that I actually felt did not look like looked completely out of place. No, they're all too. They're all too good. They're all too beautiful. They're too, uh, they I all are like polished I think, porcelain face. Yeah. No. Well, okay, but that's that's a that's a hollow critique because essentially that's every single other than the witch. How that's literally every single movie about Puritan How society. Like the Crucible is literally the what only, Daniel Day Lewis was covered in grime that he he's created literally, from his method. He's the only one. There's always going to be one. He's the only Goody one. Proctor. Goody no, Proctor. Just, now we're, now not we're just going to name character him. names. Yeah. <laughs> neither here nor there. Well, it's called ectoplasm, Alex. For I mean, fucking learn. We're modern society. You what fucking are even. you talking about? <laughs> Get ready for a lot of that. <laughs> but, Man, but I what that I space jam is, rot, you're, rotted your brain. Another thing about fucking space jam. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do that someday. A patron will request it, and I will just have much to say. Uh, but what I was stunned by, right, is there is just. I, I love the opening of her just walking through the woods to this beautiful score. It's hmm? natural lighting. It's It showed another set of muscles that the series hadn't used yet. Right. And I couldn't believe I was like, I thought we were getting all the needle drops. They do like the moonlit party would have this wild lights and anything. It's just a legitimate period piece. Yeah. And it captures this, this kind of, I know they kind of hint at the Garden of Eden analogy a lot. But yeah. there's a scary idea in the Garden of Eden, and what if you're the only two people in Eden, and all of a sudden something else is there? Right, right. Something I, bad happens, and who did it? that? They captured this period exceptionally well, better than I even thought they would. 
yeah, I think that there's no stylistic choice better than just to do what everyone else has done, essentially. And I think that's kind of it's it's sort of this fascinating homage that Lee Janik's done. I also found that Lee Janik's from Mentor, Ohio, which is like 20 minutes away from where I grew up. Holla! Um, but like <laughs> it is one of those things where um, I really, really like that she's essentially just continued she's done exactly what she did in 78 and 94 which is borrow from all these other great ideas and make something that's completely your own I w- i'll say this i was very very concerned when i started i'm like i really don't want to do the dina stuck in 1666 trying to convince people and i was you like you don't want to quantum leap it yeah like i'm like if this ends up being a quantum leap thing i'm actually like not going to be super into it. And I loved that again, like other than the accents, everyone committed to the bit. And like, there was nothing, yeah. there was nothing about that. That and I, I liked, this was just the beginning. Like it was just the history lesson. It's the beginning yeah. of, it's the beginning of the curse. And I was like, this is great. There's I'm, no I'm time traveler butterfly affecting. It's just, she is just giving us the story as yeah. it unfolds. No, everything again, is, the, everything's yeah, up the, to par. The the voice acting or the the accent acting was horrendous, Aye. but it, it but I'll be honest, it didn't hurt any performance. Like once your ear nope. adjusts to it, and you're like, all right, we're just gonna it's fine. do this. It's fine. Like they're all, no one's doing a distracting thing. Weren't you excited to see these characters back? I honestly was excited when I would see them rolled out. And there's another fun thing that this does, right? Well, it doesn't play as like a quantum leap back to the future conundrum movie, right? Dina is not there as Dina trying to alter and and detect. Mm -hmm. She is just living an immersive experience, right? Right. I thought there was some really interesting implications of this, though, right? That seeing all of these people that perhaps we're seeing why certain people in the future were chosen as victims, why certain people are there, uh, and they keep rebirthing here right why do they look the same there is a hint at because it's the strange thing that they just don't address in the film right Right. why is because she's in sarah fear's body we see her as her inner person is but we also see sarah fear's face sometimes right her brother josh is there and this is a very white family so I'm assuming Josh did not look like that in that time period, right? Right. So these are things Dean is bringing. But you have to start asking yourself, why? And I know what everyone's going to say, you cynical bastards, that it's a casting production, whatever. Well, Try I to said think that. of it. Well, I understand. <laughs> but like I said, thematically. cynical bastard. No, <laughs> I'm saying, but assume that it's a choice. Right? right. I mean, thematically, the way I would interpret it is that Dina is, De- like, Dina is interpreting her experience as Sarah fear is interpreted as she's experienced 94. Like to me, it's not this to me, the movie, they do this by just making Dina Sarah fear rather than like have like she can see Sarah fears reflection. So of course the reflection of these other people is going to be people she's familiar with. So to me, it made total sense that Mm. people we've seen before wind up in this village because quite frankly, like there's no fucking way that uh uh what's the uh, you know the the the, um oh solomon there's no fucking way that solomon good is like so like there's no way solomon good looks exactly like he does in 1994 that's you know just impossible not only that but every fucking generation (laughs) yeah it makes no sense but that's okay because of course that is dina's interpretation of the past that's what she's experiencing but she's not experiencing it like we've been saying is in this quantum leap way she's experiencing it as history unfolds and i think that's like that's the key that's the key element here is dina learns from the past rather than trying to change the past itself because that was the that was the thing that i was like please don't i was not gonna be able to sit through a movie where they're just like oh let's change the past let's change what's happened yeah like, it invalidates so much great storytelling and i really yeah. enjoyed that it literally is about learning from the past so that you can change the future right i agree there was a part of me that as we got back to 1994 you're like oh i'm excited to be back with josh and dina in modern times right and real fast that bit got kind of tiresome to me right you're like i know exactly what's going to happen every second of this it's not really that all right, like we've already done this movie. We've done the better version of this is the opening of the trilogy. 
So a part of me is like, what if we had just stayed in 66? But I agree with you by leaving it as its own little heart of the film. You mm -hmm. know, no pun intended, right? Just leave it there in the center of this trilogy as its own standalone bit. And then just go tie all your knots, you know, afterwards and hope that that opening was strong enough to carry us. Right. And I think it I think it was, man. It, I think so, too. It just really worked. And again, I think there's that fun kind of possibility of a Twilight Zone thing that maybe these people, because of this compact with the devil, these are unfinished souls and they just keep being reborn into this meat grinder, as they say. And I, totally. I thought that was kind of fun, right? That Mad Thomas eventually becomes Thomas Slater. And as yeah. he's beginning to turn his life around, he is turned into the Camp Nightwing killer, right? There's a fun extra layer you can play with there absolutely um, the thing i will say about this right and this is what i i fucking love this about this movie is i've always maintained that there's nothing scarier in any movie right you can never find anything scarier than scared and dumb human beings <laughs> there there's nothing yes. in any movie cthulhu pinhead nothing is scarier than the people that you live it live with, right? That and this is a small fucking village, right? This Union Town. Yeah, you would know everyone's shit so personally. Been raised your whole life with these same people, and they capture that pretty well. This idea of, oh fuck, those people are the ones who now are going to turn on you, and because of nothing, because one boy with a tiny boner is like, yeah, I'll, I'll go in on him. <laughs> You're going to fucking die, and your family's going to fucking die. Right. It's they capture that. We are in the wilderness alone in that that contagion of fear. There is nothing scarier to me in any film, right? It's like that and you know that you're sane and everyone else thinks you're insane. Yeah. Those are like the two scariest things, right? I mean, it's mass hysteria is always the scariest thing. There's never a movie. There's never a story. I mean, I was just watching. I like I, uh, I, I think I've said I'm a hypochondriac on the show before. I like still watching medical shows. I like watching House. <laughs> That is weird to me, yeah. And there's an episode where... That'd be like me just watching Man on Wire over and over again. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. It's some weird sort of form of masochism. But, like, I was watching an episode where he watched, uh, like, everyone on the plane. He was on a plane and some guy felt sick. And then everyone else started feeling sick. And he figured out that everyone is literally just sick from mass hysteria. But that is much yeah. scarier is that people who appear smart, appear level-headed, appear like they can hear the truth and not freak out about it, absolutely cannot. There are so many people in this world who are fundamentally like feel buttoned up that will absolutely assign a like it's the assign a villain especially in the 1600s. I mean, a puritan society who were always looking for the devil somewhere. The devil will creep in wherever it can. So, of course, they're going to try to find a reason to be suspicious of someone. Be suspicious of anybody. Pick somebody who's maybe not the purest of hearts, so to speak. And I think that that is truly – that absolutely is the scariest part about the entirety of the yeah. show is just – it's not that people get killed. It's not that people get chosen to be killers. What it is is that – People throughout the series, not just in 1666, but 78 and 94, have this sort of predisposition to hating somebody for something other than like nothing for nothing other than just being on another zip code. Like it's bizarre yeah. and no one wants to hear anything else about it. It's a fascinating it's a fascinating right. like, thread that runs through all three movies. Yeah, and the thing that separates this from something like what really happened in Salem or the Crucible and shit right, right. is that there is actually satanic interference in this one. <laughs> so it yeah. somewhat excuses the hysteria because you're like, there is an entire blight that's happened. I still want to know who fucking killed her dog. Like, that made me really mad. I'm yeah. like, so you're so mad that she's just, you know, going down on some girl. You're going to murder her fucking dog and, like, start doing satanic shit? Anywho. It's just great, but all this insane shit does start happening. Right. What they do, so you could say that's a, not quite as scary as, you know, just people losing it over nothing. But I think they bring it back in a really awesome way, man. I love the idea of, because Hannah has a scene, but then um, Dina has an even better scene, right, as Sarah. Mm -hmm. Where she confesses to Solomon, and she's like, I was born different. I have been wicked, right? Like, my own father says it. It's me. 
and you watch them, the people that know they did nothing wrong, know they did not invoke the devil. They say, right, you can't do it by chance. You have to make the offer. And they know they didn't do that. But because of the world they live in and for feeling good about it for even but an evening, they feel like they may have actually caused this shit. Absolutely. In the scene when Mad Thomas is in the square ranting, who's a let sin into union? Who's perversions? And he looks at Dina, right? Mm-hmm. And she drops her eyes to the ground. And I was like, that is such a powerful moment. Yeah. Because this girl, for half a second even, even if it's, not, it's you know, she recovers or whatever, she thinks it's possible that by pursuing love, and what she felt in those woods and has felt seemingly for a long time for this Hannah girl, that that made her think that she brought desolation to the village is a startling realization. Well, I think the other thing that uh, this is the thing that actually struck me the most about that scene is that everybody believing Thomas like Thomas is literally like right. the shit covered drunk walking through town yelling at everyone. Yeah. And he gets drunk and seemingly jerks off in the outhouse. It, yeah, like. Yeah, like he's constantly he's constantly going against God according to the Puritan doctrine. So it's like <laughs> it's a really fascinating thing that the townspeople will listen to him and not go this guy jerks off in the outhouse and is wasted all the time. I have no th-. like if it was the actual pastor saying it would be a very different story. Like it was it was actually it was Sam's it was, it was well it was Samantha. I don't think that's what her name is in the in 1666 but Samantha's father saying it'd be very different. But the fact that everyone's willing to listen to this guy who has done nothing but cause problems and bring sin essentially into the town, that is that, that that's the scariest part of all is that it doesn't matter where the information came from. If the information scares you, it must be true. It's a very well, not it's only a very that, peculiar right? And and this is the weird thing. This is kind of why religion has functioned like this for a long time. Mm -hmm. Religion is our safety blanket against a big fucking cruel, uncaring seeming world of chaos. Right. Right. If everything that goes bad, right. Child dies. And you read about that. Everyone's first reaction is what the fuck? And inevitably you'll hear someone or read a comment. God has a plan for all of this. You're like, God's plan was for this three year old. You know what I mean? And it's, but for some people, That offers this safety blanket, right? Is that I don't have to keep staring into the abyss because that big guy up there, he knows what's going on and he'll work, he'll shepherd for me, right? And this is a pretty sincere distillation of of that concept, right? Is when the whole world's gone mad, right? When all your crops are blighted, when this dog has been murdered in the well and the food's poisoned, the pig's eating her own babies. And then when you get to the absolute fucking nightmare for every parent right is what happens at that church just every person jesus christ the thought of seeing something that heinous right this Mm -hmm. this absolute depravity your foundation in the world and reality you live in can't help but crumble right and so if there's someone who's telling you hey look over here this is what you're feeling just accept that it's true and act on that it's easier than just imagining this man of God, this whole religion you believed in was false and he just murdered kids, right? Right. And again, I know there is actual satanic magic, but again, they they humanize it very well. Right. And I, I, I and that's the crazy thing. I was watching that and I was like, we're still like that, right? Mm-hmm. You can just look at Facebook comments and you're like, we still have people that absolutely live based on their own prejudices and what they want to believe. And what we still have people that fucking argue about the earth being flat in yes. 2021, right? Like insane shit still is believed all over the place. Cause that's what we want to do as humans mm-hmm. is bend the world to what we want it to be. And I, and that is always ripe area for horror. If two yeah. people aren't living in the same reality and don't believe the same facts, that's a horror movie. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what this movie is. It's what it functions on better than any of the other installments is that it functions on the fact that no one else believes that this is real. No one else believes that no one else believes that there is something else afoot. Like, I think that's like the really important thing about Mary fears character um, is that she feels something else. She feels there is something else in the wind and everybody else cannot be bothered. It must be simply because either, Sarah fears a witch 
or God is punishing us. Those are the only two options. And I think that's a really fascinating thing about Sarah Fear's character. And as we find out is that her, again, I, I absolutely love this, the, the twist, which I think a lot of us could see coming, but the part of the twist I was not expecting is the martyrdom of it all is this like really meaningful and emotional, like almost like Joan of Arc moment. Like, Oh God. Yeah. That scene is fucking incredible. powerful. Yes. It's so good. I mean, and I was like, I was trying to figure out why Dina kept seeing the real Mary fear, like in her reflections or like why, like she would have these moments where the real Mary fear would come back. And I realized the only reason and like, I'm sure there's another like thematic reason for it, but the best reason I could think of was for that very scene when it cuts back to the real Mary fear and she delivers that like fucking banger of a soliloquy right to like solomon good's face just like i will fucking haunt you everything about this is like i mean that was it's a really it's a really well acted moment that whole like it's awesome it's my favorite of all the like all the chases all the cave dwelling all the haunted house stuff that's gone on in the fear street series so far that cave beat is my favorite one by far it's like this is such a well this is and this is a weird thing to say but i always we've talked about this before on other pods this is the geography of this is so well laid out like i don't ever feel it's, so it's funny. a weird I was thing. just having a conversation with a listener named jason he's like did the geography confuse you too and i was like yeah man i really was not like thrown off in by the it. modern world it did because i was like so the caves are at the fucking shitter and the clubhouse of the camp, but now that's where the Goods Mansion is and the center of the mall. I was like, this is a... The modern geography is not the strong mo- to me. Well, like, the, mo- <laughs> the... But the cave geography was the part that I was more sure. impressed with. Like, because that shit can be really annoying. Like, where it pops up in the real world once they're above ground. Yeah, like, constantly, I was like... Well, there is a, there's a bit of wonderland to that, right? Where yeah. it's th- it's the, you know, following the rabbit into the rabbit hole and you come out and you're in a, another place. Like, because right. there is a part when they come out at the end in the modern world in the just weird, fucking creepy, rich white person mansion. Yeah. I thought they had altered the timeline. And I was like, oh, shit, is that going to be Dina's house now? Like, they're coming out in this alternate reality uh, where her family's... I see what you're saying, yeah. It threw me for a loop, and I was like, oh, wait, that's the Goods house, because there's Solomon Goods family yeah. tree, and it's full as fuck. Yeah. And so that that was one of those... The geography was strange to me, and then I it led me to a, a conclusion, which I am want to jump to, right? I am the angry pioneer villager of movie conspiracies. <laughs> I'm always looking for a boogeyman. But it, it was... This is the thing, though. Something I was stuck on, I wanted to roll this with you, is I wondered why she gave them that, right? And she's like, yeah, I'll say that I did all this, right? And I know it's to save Hannah on one level, but I think there's another level, man. And I think she's not admitting to being a witch. I think she's admitting to, yeah, I love that woman. You call that sin, right? I love that fucking lady. Sure. And she even said at that one point, if you want a witch, I'll give you a witch. I think that was a a strangely empowering moment for her to say, you can call me whatever the fuck you want. I'm here. Right. She's mm-hmm. not confessing to what they want her to. Right. They think she is. Right. But I think, I think it's her declaration of self. And to your point, I would like to believe thematically, right. That the reason she keeps saying Sarah fears face, right. Is because it struck me at the end of the film as we go back and see that modern day Sheriff good, right. Is spray painting this witch shit all over. Right. I was like, even after death, the goods have turned her into this cudgel, right? They stole herself, right? So she died because she loved a woman. And then she became a villain and a monster and a witch because of that. And they kept mutating her forever. Mm -hmm. And I think there is probably some part of her that wanted Dina to see who she was, see her actual face. Not this monstrous one-armed witch from these woodblock books or whatever. yeah. And I thought I thought that was lovely, man. Whenever she'd pop in for a second, I really thought that was an important like now we're seeing right. through this fucking ruse that this man has crafted over centuries. Well, and like, I liked that because yeah. you think about from ninety four the first time you see it. Mm-hmm. 
now like the 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 veil being lifted for 1666 really re-justifies any pain and anguish you see in seraphir's face is much less about like being unfairly and unjustly uh deemed a witch and much more again it's like this is someone who went down because she believed in she believed because she, she went down she went down Ooh, nice uh no but <laughs> well she, done <laughs> she uh no but she she wanted to be like you said i think that was beautiful the declaration of self like so much of the ending is about accepting who you are and what you are and not letting extraneous forces actually tell you, no, you must fit into this box. You must be this person. So this, mm-hmm. this person, uh, I think Sarah fears experience and those flashes end up being much more meaningful simply because you realize she's doing this as a form of, it's not just martyrdom. I mean, that's a weird, that's a weird word that I used, but it is this, it is this like self flagellation to like almost release oneself from the bonds of having to be yeah. anybody else's, all she has to be is Sheriff Good's, um, you know, avatar for everything terrible that's happening in Shady Side. So that's what ends yeah. up happening. It's a and really also what what's the alternative, right? She confesses and like you know, oh this and that, and then she has to live a life of, you know, out in the woods like that other depressed lady who seemingly fell in love with a native man, had a child, lost it, and wanted her child back right. again. These are kind of some of the little time cycle ideas, Twilight Zone shit to me, is that she is played by Nurse Lane again, who also looked forlorn and had lost a child, right? So there's this Mm -hmm. kind of repetitive role casting, which I think is really cool, man. And I think there's something to the same, like Nurse Lane's care, or the the hag who has these fucking get high berries, (laughs) and you know the kids are going to come for those, set that shit out like a... You know, honor yeah, system like Halloween fu- candy. Set bowl. that shit out like it's fucking yeah. yeah like it's sorry, I'm not Knock home. Here's a bowl of candy. Yeah. <laughs> get out of my fucking tanned cow decorated house. Like get out of here. <laughs> These leather hides and bones and shit. Like get the fuck out. Right. But just even the existence of her in the film is another one of those kind of foretellings of here is another woman who is written as something. Else. This this movie is very much about what we allow other people to write us as. Right. This mm-hmm. is a, a woman who lost presumably the family that she loved she has the same fucking book that she later gets killed for right right to get all your wish fulfillment and you're immediately sitting there wondering why didn't she use it like that right because she wasn't trying to fucking destroy everyone else to get what she wanted right and this comes back to when she tells dina get out get out he can see you he'll burrow in your skin yep and i think by the devil she means this you'll never ever have enough right and I, I thought I thought she's actually a pretty relatable and empathetic character. Yeah, I mean it's it's the uh, yeah it's being careful what you wish for. It always is. I mean, like it's I I appreciated that a lot about that. This was the that that was what this ends up really being about. And I think that that is a really good lesson. It's it's a great first. That was a great like YA lesson for in general. Like I love I love that these the these movies keep going back to the source material like they keep coming back to great source material and saying like i'm like lee janik does a great job of like not straying from the formula that makes fear street good that makes fear street what it was like again like i don't have to have read it to know that this is exactly what the intention of fear street is from rl stein's perspective because i've read goosebumps i read goosebumps is the same thing be careful what you wish for. Every single story in that is a be careful what you wish for situation. This is what he does better than any other fiction writer for like kids, particularly, but any, but even adults, it's a really fascinating and really wonderful. Uh, it's a really fascinating, really wonderful callback to just like source material. And then you get to, and then you get this, like, then we jump into 94 and we get this really strange resolution that was, odd but i guess earned. We'll, we'll get to that we still got more on 66 i feel like right because again here's another time cycle thing right did you love the irony of the modern sunny cider or sunny valer uh who is named peter begins life as a pioneer who can't control his tiny erection yes i thought i was like oh my god peter peter got a stiffy that's why he's named peter in the future. <laughs> i thought that was really funny but that scene specifically, too, I thought was just stunning. What, that party? 
that party because again it's not even the party itself as well filmed or anything like that but when you see dina fight back and just try to save her friend from being dragged in the woods Mm -hmm. you see this guy who's so upset by her declaring you know that she is her own thing and she will not bend to him right right and it gets back into what a lot of this was about is that you know you're not allowed to take self-ownership right you are here to be a sexual breeding object and right and I thought that was really cool, man. And the idea of them running out to the woods to just sneak this kiss. But the part that nailed me is when they got back, she, Hannah already knew they were fucking in trouble. She's like, we fucked up. Someone saw us. They, mm-hmm. We heard the twig. And the fact that that beautiful moment and Hannah, or Hannah's resolve, right, like, does this feel wrong, was broken, absolutely shattered by one twig, right? And when she runs back, she's like, fuck, fuck, we fucked up, we fucked up. And in the light of town, they still sneak one more kiss. And I thought that was the moment. That I was like, fuck, that's amazing. Like, I, I love that fucking moment, right? Mm-hmm. And it it that kind of stuff is what so – I want to ask you about another weird thing, right? I thought it was strange that this was the first time we kind of saw one of these teenagers' parents, right? When she has a showdown with her father, essentially, right. after, uh, you know, Stinky Thomas is running around town <laughs> fucking spilling tea – yeah you know what i mean he sits there and he fucking goes in on her Mm -hmm. and i was like this is kind of the final breaking moment and maybe why parents don't exist in the future is that they don't even see you when they're around anyways i mean what did you make of that that addition of actually seeing a parent this time i mean i think a lot of it has to do with um a lot of it has to do with populating the town because like at that time also you have to remember like there weren't a lot of there were not like there were not a lot of young people like a lot of like to be honest I mean, with that, you, that woods orgy had about 25 that's pretty good ratio well yeah but like you got to think about like the 30 that died of tuberculosis like the winter before like there's like there like i think by the end of this so you'd be like finally the sweet relief of tuberculosis instead of whatever the fuck happened in that church good lord i still don't know what that pile of meat was it was eyes I mean, not all of it. I saw two eyes, and there was like 15 dead kids. It was eyeballs. All of it was eyeballs. It was one eyeball. Two eyeballs. You were incorrect. It was all eyeballs. I mean, I'm not sitting here saying I'm a house MD, not even a Doogie Hauser MD, but I'll tell you what wasn't in there. More than two eyeballs. <laughs> okay. Either way. I mean, literally We're going to file that under agree to disagree. <laughs> literally nothing else was ripped out of these children's heads besides their eyeballs. It was just in a pile and you couldn't just because you can't see more than two eyeballs doesn't mean there weren't like 15 laying underneath it. But mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Got it. OK, cool. So we're, we're, we're only on literal things. Copy. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I would have never guessed that this became like the bone of contention between us and the pod. Well, it's like in the, the meat pile. It's like the dumbest thing for. <laughs> Admit that that was a hot dog pile. It was all the bits. Oh my god! They used to tell us it was hooves and assholes. That can was I hot finish dog? answering your question? If I just admit it was all hot dogs and two eyeballs, is that yes? Yeah. There you go. It's it's yours. Be a gentleman. Be a gentleman. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> just the most annoying thing about this podcast. Um. Yeah. So like, the reason I think that there's more adults in this one is because the judgment and the cursory judgment that comes from this time period always comes from figures of authority and figures of authority are never fucking quarterbacks or athletes or anybody important other than parents, your parents, love your parents, belief in you, your parents trust is all that matters in this time period. And for them to, especially in Mary fears case, cause she seems like she's the one who's taking care of the house. Like Sarah fear. Who's Mary. Sarah. Fear? Sorry, Sarah, fear. Sarah, Gotcha. Okay. I was like, did I miss something? All right. No. Sarah Fear. Sarah Fear's whole thing is she still is the only, like, she still is much like Dina taking care of the house, making sure the pigs are fed, so on and so forth. She's literally birthing the sow mm-hmm. uh, in the very opener, in the fucking opener, which you're like, all right, there's a very capable woman here. So for me, what's important and what you have to, like, like the reason the parents are so important for 1666 is because this judgment, this summary judgment about who these children are comes directly from their interpretation of what their parents believe in them. Yeah. Well, that's, that's something that they do with Hannah's mom, right? Where she's, cause she says the same line she says at the end of 94, you won't be happy until you've ruined her life. Right. Or what she says on the phone. 
again, kind of this time cycle idea, right? And she mm-hmm. throws her out, and she's like, you're a fucking, you're a perversion. I'll not box your bleeding head off, blah, 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 whatever the fuck she's screaming out. Right. And she looks around. What is really scary to your point, though, right, is like the idea of the adults looking at all of these kids as just potential sin vessels, which, to be fair, that's what To be fair, that's are, what they are. That's what we are meant to do. Our bodies are just saying, stick yourself into things and, you know, roll around in, you know, troublesome filth and, you know, jump off high things. That's what kids do. I had two sons. That's exactly how their brains are wired. What is dangerous? Do it. Right. What becomes funny is we see that authority begins to creep out really easily, right? Because we see not only uh, Stinky Thomas, but Rock Hard Peter are the ones that they're essentially the Jar Jar Binks of this film, right? They get to cast the final vote that sends the, the Senate spiraling into the Galactic Empire and, you know, all hell breaks loose, right? And Nerd. I was, how dare you? Sorry, I didn't know you were such a prequels fan. My bad. All right, pod's over. Let's just fucking pass this up. There's nothing left to do. No, I'm just but what I'm saying is, it's strange though, right? Because you're to your point, right? There are authority figures. You see that Solomon Good, even though he's this shitty backwoods terrible farmer, yeah, he holds rank. When he walks into town, people listen, right? Same with his brother. Same with the pastor. By the end of this, right, because people are scared, now Stinky Thomas and Rock Hard Peter are casting the final stones that send us spiraling. Right. And one of my favorite visual beats in this segment is when, after Peter's like, I saw her riding a fucking, you know, boning a red goat, and they were licking each other up, and whatever yarn he's spinning. Whatever insane thing And uh, Stinky thing Thomas saying, yeah. is just like, yeah, yeah, as if he wishes he was in the outhouse fucking handling himself. And that's all it takes, right? And they, they've they all accepted now. And Solomon Good even closes his eyes because he knows that's it. That's enough to convict these women. Mm-hmm. And so the two fucking biggest dipshits we see in the series completely send us out of control into what everything else will become. Because these two fucking disgruntled men are able to do this. Right. And I thought it led to this bit, though. That's what I was saying. The visual bit that I loved is then you get this montage of all of the fucking old guys like, I saw Hannah Miller, I mm-hmm. saw Sarah Fear, and they didn't. They, It was only young, young invite only, right, for the Woods orgy. They were not out there, but they said they saw him. Right. They knew they had seen him, and if they didn't see him in the woods, they'd seen him some other time. They just didn't realize what they were seeing. Right. And then we cut to everyone slamming their doors, right? The small village called Union, a little on the nose, closing each other out it's time to fucking divide and destroy and i was like that so perfectly encapsulates the horror of this segment yeah um we have danced around it but we have not talked all the way about what an amazing set piece that church was in the middle of this yeah it was pretty dope are you talking about you mean the actual yeah the actual because it's it here's the thing that it's so well edited. I think that was yeah. the thing that really like struck me is like, you can do one of those bits and it'd be like swept under the rug really quickly. The reason we've danced around it is because it's such a phenomenal set piece, but it's also just so well paced to get there because you know, it's coming. Like, I think this is like the really, this is the really cool thing about this section of the fear street trilogy is like, we know it's coming. We've seen these images three times over in each of these in each in each uh, movie so far Mm -hmm. so we know what's about to happen what we have no idea of is really what's about to happen like there's a level we're we're aware of because like we've seen the painting of the pastor we've seen like the flashback of the pastor but we have no idea really where this all led to oh yeah and the editing between the mother screaming and the doors getting wedged open, like everything is just perfectly balanced and perfectly laid out. So finally, when the reveal happens, you're just like, holy shit. Like, again, Fear Street 66 goes fucking hard, dude. Like, there is absolutely no holding back. And I love yeah. it. Like, they saved the best for last, man. This is the we're going to let you scale, scare yourself version of the bread slicer. Because I was arguing yeah. this scene is much more depraved. Totally. Because it just exists in this theater of the mind is, how did he kill all these kids without them making a sound? How mm-hmm. was he doing it? Did he line them up? Were they fighting? And the fact that they're just sitting there, there's so much horror imagery. 
And watching, I'll tell you the bit that I really latched on to was Solomon walking in. And there's this moment where he collapses to his knees. And we, we, you just, you know, Solomon's the bad guy. I feel like I've known that for three movies, right? And so watching the weight of this, him looking at it and saying, oh, fuck, I just said the pastor. But realizing now, all he has all these fucking dead children's souls on his conscience. Mm-hmm. And that makes it extra fucking scary. And then watching the mothers run in and uh, Josh gets killed, which I never wanted to see in any movie. And it was horrible, right? All these fucking kids are dead, and it's it's terrifying, man. Yeah. And the the moment where Solomon is taking the weight of this on, right? Mm-hmm. And then he's trying to stand up, and it, it makes that scene scarier when they're having the town meeting and everyone's yelling. Is because Solomon's like, "Where's your proof? Tell me," because he fucking knows he did. He it. knows. Yeah. This is not a Mister Smith goes to Washington. This no. is a what had happened was right. Mm-hmm. It was me. But yeah. he can't say that. And then it makes it even scarier when he saves Sarah. And just because he says, get the fuck out of my house, they accept that he can't be the bad guy because he's he's good. He's the good man. Right. Right. And when him and Sarah have their showdown in the cave and he's like, what's a soul every now and then? she's like, 13 fucking kids died. Yeah. And he's like, oh, well. And it, you see that this is the kind of man. Right. That as we've seen him as this paragon of the community. He is so easily able to write this off as I was owed better. I moved out here because I know this land is fertile and it didn't work. So I fucking killed this witch and I got the book and I'm willing to fucking destroy the pastor and fuck everyone else. You know, mm-hmm. you can be a part of it. You, No one wants you. And it's insidious the way he turns so fast. And you're like, this is a man who's been writing this narrative in his head for yeah. a long, long time. And it, again, to your point, it just plays out perfectly. I mean, it's I that the guy uh, uh, I can't remember his name. Um, oh, the, the actor's name is uh, Ashley Zuckerman, the guy who plays uh, Solomon slash Nick Good. This guy is uh, turned in a performance that's just like absolutely haunting. Like mm-hmm. he's so very like like it's very middle. Like there's very middle of the road the whole time, and then when they're down in that down in that um, cave just echoing any kind of emotion because he's been so straight and narrow the whole time. Terrifying, like truly terrifying. Like, and then like, it's not just that then like, yeah. And then listing out the reasons for why he did it. You're like, Holy shit. Like not only is this guy terrifying, he's also out of his fucking mind. Like it's, it's a really fascinating, uh, performance. It's, it's what it's again, like there's just not a bad, like, there's shit you can nitpick in this one, but honestly, man, like everybody just turns in their fucking a game. It's mm-hmm. so good. Yeah. The the only nitpick I have besides the accents is just that when we end that segment, it's so strong. It's so poetic. It tells me what I already knew is that Sarah fear was going to be the victim. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing Hannah cry at the fucking side of her hanged. It's, it's so beautiful and powerful. The cut to 1994 part two I just felt like I wanted to turn it off. It's a pretty harsh juxtaposition. Because, again, it's we just uh, have done so much beautiful storytelling. And now I know all the pieces. I know good is bad or good is evil, as they say. Mm-hmm. And I know that in a story like this, a young adult story that teaches us, there are the reason that young adult stories are be careful what you wish for is because what they're trying to tell us so we don't all become fucking mass murderers when we are grownups is that there's no way that this is ever going to just be easily okay. <laughs> Everything is hard and horrible yeah. and takes a lot of work and time. Yeah. There's no quick fixes, right? And they're not wrong. And so I know that Sheriff Good's going to get punished. And I think the difference between this and 1994 is I never felt unsafe for any character, right? Mm-hmm. I knew once they brought in uh, the guy from the police station who is really funny and awesome. I love yeah. that bit. I knew he wasn't going to get killed. You're like, they're not going to kill him. I knew they weren't going to kill Ziggy because she's here to avenge her sister. So you're like, what am I watching this for? And then we're redoing the mall and the blood gag that we've already done three fucking times. Mm-hmm. Um, they did give it that awesome Freddy versus Jason Royal Rumble where they were yeah, just fucking that mauling part each cool. other. And we got to see that little boy again who we both can agree. For like a second. Where's his fucking. <laughs> when's going to where, be my time? Where's his movie, man? 
Give me uh, that. Hopefully, they left it open that hopefully there will be more. But, um, yeah, I think that... What were uh, you latching on to? What were you wanting from all this? The From the 94 part two? Yeah. Did you feel the same as me where I was like, I'm already done. Like, I, I'm yeah, out. Yeah, I... The, it was weird. Like, it was very jarring at first. Because I was like, oh, is that the end? Like, are we just going to wait till next summer to get another, like, Fear Street trilogy? Like, I'm like... <laughs> But I got that's a long time to wait. I don't know if I can wait. But like when it started up, I'm like, I mean, I guess this makes sense. Like you do have to sort of like put a bow on 94 because it is the future. Like, but it is like 45 minutes long, right? It's much longer than I expected it to be. I mean, it that is kind of like 20 minutes. Like, yeah, I think come it's on. come on. <laughs> I would have. I think I would have cut out the mall entirely. I would have just had her go into the cave and do that. And that that bit alone is 20 minutes, I think. Well, because like, they're already – this gets back to the weird geography, right? They're already in the woods. Hmm. They could have just ran and been like, we're at the camp. Yeah, they should have just, the just gone to the camp. <laughs> they could have done – like the cave stuff could have happened in place of literally all of this other shit. And the cave thing's fine because the cave's a great haunted house for her to run yep. into like all the killers and that kind of shit. Yep. Could have done the whole thing in the cave. It had taken 20 minutes and gotten like – Literally everything that happens in the end could have gone the same way, except just leave them all out of it. Like, I get why you yeah. did it because there is like a there's a really fun visual element to it, and it's yeah. awesome to get them all. Like, I, I get it, I really do. It like, was fun to see the slashers murder each other. That was hilarious. From that perspective, uh, yes. <laughs> I knew it was gonna get all fucked up though. The moment they had super soakers, because I remember the very summer those came out. That was mm-hmm. like the thing we all had to get right. I used to be a paper boy, so I was like, I got to save my paper boy money so I can get a yep. super soaker so that by my birthday, for my birthday party, we're having a super soaker yep. fight. Same. Absolutely. And you get it, and then you're like, super soakers are the shittiest toy that have ever existed okay. because the upgrade of technology was so great. But then you're like, each bottle that I have lasts 30 seconds, and then I got to wait in line to refill it fucking yeah. 55 Can we <laughs> actually talk about the range with which the super soakers worked? Like it There's was, a lot of liberties, you non nineties. There is people. <laughs> there is some there are clearly people who did not grow up in the nineties working yes. on working in the art department on this one. They're like, Oh yeah, yeah. Super Soaker's range is like what, fifty, a yeah. hundred feet? And I'm like, You do not remember this at all, do you? Not true. You would get the best thirty seconds of fun and then be like uh, yeah, exactly. And then you would you would unscrew it and screw it in so much that the little thing would break and you had mm-hmm. to like jankily like duct tape it back. It was an ordeal. It was yeah. an ordeal soup. But anyways, so you knew that because this is the thing, right? The idea of them carrying Sheriff Good, I was like, brilliant. That's yeah, brilliant. That Do was cool. that. Yeah. And when they fucked it up and started running around, I was like, God damn it. That means we got like 15 more minutes. Yeah. Because let I, me ask I, you two questions, right? We did all this fucking time. Mm-hmm. And Josh gets a heroic thing. I love the Konami code moment between them. It's so fucking heartfelt. That was nice. I like that. And too. I do love getting Josh back. So I'm not mad about that. But. As soon as I they did the carry thing, I was like, that's a great way to end. No, no, now we're going to run around. I had two questions that they just refused to answer. Why is Sam possessed? Like, is she, like, one of the witch's killers? And if that's the case, she's a zombie. How does she come back? And two, why does the heart have the pennant stare from Ghost Rider effect? Does Sheriff Good touch the heart and forget that his family has built their empire on blood? Does he actually feel guilty? Are we to believe the guy who's just like, I'll fucking frame you and get a medal feels guilt? I mean, like, yeah. Are we to believe that's... that no family member of the good has ever been like, that's gnarly. I want to touch that. Yeah, I like, think that's... what the fuck was all of that? Well, I think that's what I mean. I don't know. I mean, again, to me, it's just a plot device to get him stabbed, which was yeah, fine. Like, and it. I'm just saying the movie was so fucking strong for that first yeah. hour that that just felt so fucking lazy. That ending was so and then she's possessed, but now she's been with Dina for 6 well, hours and now she's like, "Oh my god, I'm in love." And she de zombies. I was like, "Come on." Well, it's because she's well, it's possession is I mean, they never say it's definitely got to be a dead person. Like, it starts off as someone who's not dead, always. Well, this is the thing, though, right? If you're going to make her an integral prop that we've carried through three movies now, mm-hmm. maybe explain what that was and well, why she, she's different. Well, she was just possessed. Like, that's it. 
But the rest of the killers aren't possessed. They become mind. I, I don't know. I just was saying, as I, I well, thought that I was mean, going to have still, a good payoff, and it they're didn't. still possessed. Like they're just mindless killers. Just they're just. Possessed. I mean, they're getting birthed out of that organ after the initial takedowns when the good family cops. Yeah, take but them that's down after they've died. Like Samantha's like the ripe, the, the ripe new one that's supposed to go on the killing spree because her name gets etched in the in the in the stone. That's true. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I just I thought there would be something cooler. She should have become a cool, like, killer type like the rest. Anywho. To be honest with you, I would have just. It and was, the heart was just, I don't, I thought that would pay off more. Yeah, I didn't expect it to. Yeah. I mean, like, it, to me, it's one of those, like, great CGI effects. You're just like, that's gross. And then you move on from it. Like, the I heart didn't... was really cool. But, yeah, I, oh. I think this is the point, though, right? Is, like, there's this amazing opening. And that the little tale, right? Like, once we defeat Sheriff Good, the last five minutes of the film is very sweet, very endearing. It gave me everything I wanted and more, right? Yeah. I love that part. I was just like, there's just this like extra 40 minutes where everything is so predictable and I felt insanely bored, which has not been the case. This has been a series of high entertainment value. Yeah. We already did the miss. Like you, you, you played your cards. It's, it's over. It's I over. Mean- I I would have done away with them all. I just would have done it in the. I would have done it all in the cavernous maze, yeah. and that would have been that. Yeah, and I, I mean, losing. I guess what you do is the math is you're like, well, we'll give you the slasher royal rumble. We'll give you the carry moment for half a second. So you get these moments, and it's like when he well, says, "Yo, Urkel," and he's like, "Do you want to kill Chef? Good. Let me get my jack." You're like, "All right, that's funny. Like that's fine." Yeah, but there's it's a lot of time. Yeah, there's just. It was, it's all, it's all like frosting at that point. Like the cake's been built and we're just like adding like extra little frosting bits on the top. And you're like, all right, we can do this because we're both overweight, right? It's that thing when you're like, I've had the one cookie and you're like, ah, but there's like four left in the package. I might as well just get it done so I can diet better tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. And then you just feel like shit. You're like, why did I eat four cookies? What have I done? Yeah. And then you wake up the next day and you're like, I should not have done that. But damn, if it was not delicious when I was eating it, that's it. But like, okay, so let's all right. So brush past all that fucking nonsense. Uh, they defeat Sheriff Good. Yeah, like we knew they would. Mm-hmm. Then we emerge and we see that the tides have turned. Right, uh, some sunny, sunny bailers who I don't know what they do in their fucking mansion with their sex dungeons and torturing of shady siders, but they just get hit by a garbage truck. Like, oh, oh no, that's, that's that's no, that's, no, that's the brother, isn't it? See, I didn't think that was the brother because he looked oh, healthy. Wait, okay. in the, yeah, it was just they do random the, old white people. Oh, well, you know. So, to like, be they're going to pay for the goods problem. I mean, they've been reaping To be fair, benefits. are we really that upset about some rich white who gets blasted in the sunny side? Not I. I mean, I don't know what they did. If they have, like, a fucking, you know, they're, sex dungeon with people they're in from it, sunny like, side. They're from sunny side. They were all rude. All sunny siders are evil. Well, they were rude based on proximity, which is like the stupidest thing to be rude. They about. did look at her like, "Ew, gross." Yeah, like, Ugh. yeah. They had a very Thurston Howell and his wife. Oh, they're not wearing eyes on. I can't touch them. Ew. Yeah, no, I I get it. Even but better, they, but this is what I mean, though, right? The two that I latched onto that I loved, mm-hmm. I loved Josh. Finally, that was a great payoff when the girl writes the her girl? screen name on his yeah. cast. That was pretty. Cool. And I was like, oh fuck yeah, it's gonna be great for Josh, man. That made me. So happy. I fucking love Josh in this series. That made me really happy. And I thought the ending where she actually delivered on the promise, right? The cheeseburgers, mm-hmm. the pixies making out. And I thought this was just a beautiful image, even though it's very on the nose, but they make out on the very stone where their first kiss unraveled this entire fucking plot. Yep. Right. The first forbidden kiss, they go back and that's where they're going to kiss. And those beautiful red plants are everywhere. Yes. And I was like, what a fucking lovely bow, man. I, I love the ending. It's very it's a, saccharine. It's a very guess, good bow on it. top of everything. It's and then awesome, you get the, man. And then you get your little tag, so next summer we all come back. Yeah, because the cops just leave evidence there after they take I photos. Just, well, yeah, I have to just let that one go. <laughs> also, yeah, what cops are doing this now that we know that the sheriff and his What kind of shit cops just leave a Satan book just like lying on the ground yeah. there? Well, nothing bad will come of this. Literally, they're like, it's a book. How can that be dangerous? Literally, the entire family's been murdering people for eons, yeah. but that'll yeah, be fine. 
I mean, it was 1994. We didn't have the internet yet. We were still... Well, we had the basics we just the had. We just got We were AOL. still reading. We still knew what a weighty tome was. Come on. Yeah. I, I hope that... I hope that... Um, yeah, I hope the I hope Josh gets all his like the you know those um, AOL CDs that gave you like four hundred and seventy five yeah. minutes. Yeah, that's my steal, hope. For stealing that shit, dude. That was how you used to become a pro. You had to steal that shit. Yeah. Uh, Alex, give me your final thoughts on not only sixty six but the Fear Street trilogy as a whole, man. An event of the summer, a horror movie event that I feel like we haven't had in a while, and it was awesome to have, man. What it, wrap this up for me. 66 does everything it needs to do to wrap up a really great story. And I think that the disarming nature of 1666 being a genre that we don't play in a lot, which is really fascinating and really cool, means that we get to watch essentially a new movie. We're not watching a pastiche on anything. And not to say that the other Fear Street movies did that, but like we all are familiar with the tropes that they play in for 94 and 78 66 is a completely different animal it's literally a history lesson and i think that in doing that they put together one the best movie of the entire pack but also wrap up other than what we've talked about wrap up wrap wrap up in a really nice bow and overall the fear street trilogy for one is probably my favorite release schedule of all time like there's absolutely nothing that this should be a blueprint for a lot of shit in my opinion, um, mm-hmm. not just TV, but like movies like this was events. This was event cinema in my house, cinema in my house. Like my wife and I sat down on Friday and I watched these movies. Yeah. Um, Same. Not not only that, but the Fear Street trilogy carries on this tradition that I think is missing right now from a lot of because we're home. It's carrying on this tradition of like, hey, pop your popcorn sit down and watch this movie with us like enjoy what we're about to do and what i think fear street does better than any other movie of its ilk and tv show for that matter because it does have there's a lot of stranger things vibes in it of course especially 94 but i think what it does better than anything is it does not other than you know which we've talked about at length needle drops Mm -hmm. other than that it does not rest its laurels on you remembering that time period or you remembering that genre of movies, what it does is make it, it makes its own way. And that to me, makes fear street head and shoulders above the rest of like nostalgia based uh, content, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I think it's funny. You mentioned the needle drops cause they've been such a prevalent part of the discussion of this franchise. They only have one needle drop in this it. and it Just is the one and it's great. Horrendous. No, it's great. <laughs> Keep them separated. Cause they're going to be in four different stores. Hell yeah, dog. So bad, especially the movie we've been watching. You're like, you really want to hit the emotional fucking cliff of your film with offspring. Anytime we're anytime we're gonna hit an offspring needle drop, I'm gonna be like, well, let me not play coy. In the '90s, I was huge into offspring, but come on, that was a fucking terrible needle drop. And what it It was funny. And I think what I get back to is that, and again, I I I did not like 1994 Part Two as it existed in this. But they made a calculation to always err on the side of fun. And I think that's what Fear Street did through three movies, and it worked really well. Um, I agree. When I'm a month away from this film, am I going to sit back and be like, God, that was fucking 15 minutes too long. Or am I going to be like, man, remember when those fucking monsters started attacking each other? That was fucking cool, man. And I'll remember all the shit I liked about this movie, which is legion compared to the gripes I had with it, right? True. And I think that's what they do well. And and what I think ni- or 1666 did so well, right? It paired back the lighting, the nostalgia, the genres, the needle drops. It paired all that shit back. And what we got was a very still story that was absolutely horrifying with an amazing score. It was beautifully shot. Right. We just watched actual Mastercraft. Yeah, and I just, think we've been yeah. watching that for three movies, but it's been a little masked by these other elements, right? To where people mm-hmm. are just thinking that they're, oh, they're parodies or they're needle drops, whatever the fuck. This one, it just it just absolutely fucking flexed, right? Yeah. It showed us this is the magic that we've been weaving for three. And it was, I mean, it was just absolutely what I wanted and actually dramatically better than I thought. 
And again, I'm with you. This was event cinema for me. I was fucking excited when it was like, oh, my God, it's Friday morning. Yeah. In a way that I haven't been excited for a new movie release in years. I mean, I can tell you. When I go to the movies, I'm excited for shit. But this one, I liked the building nature of it. It was really fun. And what makes me sad is I still feel like I keep asking everyone. I was at a, you know, vacation this weekend and I was at a casino. I met a bunch of people. I've been asking all my neighbors. I'm like, hey, are you watching Fear Street? I have not yet met a person in the wild who's watching this fucking. Not movie. enough people and have watched. That's it. There's what a lot makes of, me fucking scared and sad. I've had one person say they couldn't get through ninety four, and I'm like, that seems weird. Yeah. So I feel like this is the. But if you're this far in, you're probably invested in what yeah. they're doing. But again, but I, that's the scary part about this Netflix streaming. Is it just going to get consumed? And when it's not in the top ten next week, is this fucking awesome little event we got just going to be for not? My hope is that this becomes the start of something, right? Like, we'll get these kind of Joe Bob Fear Street things where we Mm -hmm. unite online, and social media is not a cesspool, but it's a way for us to galvanize a community of people that love movies. I mean, I think it's it's up to us to keep it going. That's exactly what it is. So, guys, watch Fear Street. If you're nostalgic for... Watch fucking Fear Street! If you're nostalgic for 1666... You should die because you're de- you're very old. Something like, something's <laughs> wrong. You ain't got to die. You did. I thought you were gonna do the uh, the rush hour line. If you're nostalgic for 1666, throw the towel, wipe yourself off. You did. You know <laughs> Touch I mean? us up. You did. Which is a weird thing. Cause I know my mom listens to every show, and that's something she started in our household. That the Griffey sons have carried over everyone I've ever played Xbox with. If I've ever killed you in Halo, which <laughs> let's be real, I've killed you in Halo. You will immediately get a message that says, wipe yourself off. You did. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's a rush hour discussion for another day. Uh, guys, thank you so much for spending time with us and watching Fear Street with us. We hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. A shout out to our uh, wipe yourself off. You're not guest hosting friend, Josh Lobo. He was an amazing addition, man. We love Josh Lobo. Go watch his movie, I Trapped the Devil. It's fucking awesome. Almost as awesome as he is. Uh, We missed him today, but we made it through, guys. So stay tuned. We're still finishing up Time Travel Month. We have an amazing double feature that we're ending the month on uh, from one of our patrons, The Game and American Psycho. Before next month when the pod gets real. And we're uh, we're diving into documentaries, which should be a very fascinating, if not scary, challenge. Mm. Uh, So again, guys, patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. For as little as a dollar a month, you can join us there. You can start selecting the movies you want to hear. And you can vote on uh, bonus episodes, which we have as part of our community, too, which is really fun. You guys get a lot of ways to help make the show what you want. Oh, my God. Alex is getting fear-streeted. He's getting ghosted. (sighs) Holy shit. Or is that a MacGuffin like the hand? But anywho, right? Go to YouTube. Subscribe to our channel, Film Alchemist. You can email the show at filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Please help us out with some five-star ratings and a couple sentences of reviews wherever you find the show. More than anything, guys, thank you, thank you, thank you. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. 